0: If you run your simulation in parallel with reality which is what makes digital twin a wonderful tool you can push it forward a couple hours and say what is it going to be like at the end of the shift and if it says you're going to be 15 behind in some picking area you can adjust your labor proactively but that, that's what we've been looking for in distribution forever doing it on spreadsheets you know and knocking our heads against the wall
1: yeah i think the yeah, I would say the labor savings is certainly big. Um, I would say just, it all sort of backs up to retail at some point because you're talking about customer satisfaction and things like that. So if you think about a supply chain on the surface, it seems very simple, right? But we all know very well that it's not that simple at all.
2: I'm Adam Bolka, and this is The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'll be talking to supply chain experts from around the world, experts who are tackling challenges in their corner of the industry people are changemakers that drive innovation. That's why this Supply Chain Podcast is about learning from those who lead by example. I hope that the conversations you hear will inspire you to drive change within your organization. Let's jump in. Welcome back to The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka. Digital twins in the warehouse. I just recently got back from Promat, where Texas actually launched a solution around 3D digital twin heat maps. And what was on display at the show was just this proliferation of robots and technologies that are moving into our warehouses. And it is so easy to see new and emerging use cases for digital twins in the warehouse. Today I'm joined by Maria Merchant. Maria is an expert in supply chain management, and she will guide us through another episode where we're going to delve into this idea of using digital twins in warehouses to optimize supply chains. With the rapid advancement of technology, digital twins has emerged as a popular solution for both efficiency and cost reduction. So let's get ready to learn all about this cutting-edge technology and how it can revolutionize the way we manage our warehouses. Without further ado, I'll pass the mic to Maria. Maria, over to you.
3: Thank you so much. I'm Maria Merchant, and I'm the Product Marketing Manager for Distribution at Texas. We're increasingly hearing of distributors and retailers utilizing digital twin technology. Analyst firm Gardner listed digital supply chain twin as one of 2022's supply chain technology themes. So today we'll be talking with subject matter experts to discuss the topic of a digital twin in the world of supply chain. I am very happy to introduce Joe Vernon, a principal business consultant from EPAM Systems focused on the adoption of emerging technologies with a special interest in digital twins. And Mark Delaney, VP of Industry Strategy, Retail, and CPG at Four Kites, who's widely regarded as a leading technology futurist with expert knowledge of the retail technology ecosystem. In this conversation, we'll examine the concept of digital twinning, how it works, and the impact it can have on a supply chain in distribution and retail, and how it can improve operations and increase productivity. So let's get started. My first question, and I'll direct this to you, Joe, is what is a digital twin and how does it work?
0: Thank you, Maria, and, th- and thank you all. Um, digital twins, we've been we've been living in a world of transactional data and some unstructured data like weather data, et cetera. But digital twin, if you've got enough sensor data, data points, physical characteristics, what you're trying to do is to create a um, a mirror of reality and that reality can be a process flow, a piece of machinery, a network, a distribution center, a city. So a digital twin is a real broad set of data, more data than we've ever used before. And you take that and you model it. It's really quite an innovation, but it really, it, it's foundation is you're, you're using more data points and richer data sets than you ever have in the past. And that really describes a digital twin.
3: Yeah, yeah. And and it's exciting because, I mean, we've talked about this before, Joe, is it's not a new concept, but it's certainly, you know, quite quite uh, uh, innovative now. And, and it's kind of like the old concept, but on steroids.
0: Yeah, I think we found a way to put it to use for business, right? So it's been around longer. But uh, the real thing is making these tangible business cases with it. And so in manufacturing, when you digitally twin a piece of equipment or a production line, and you're able to simulate it and improve its predictive maintenance and its uptime, that's a very straightforward business case. And I think that's one of the most foundational ones that really helped Digital Twin take off. And now we're seeing it in supply chain.
3: This question is for everyone. I mean, are there any particular industries that are utilizing Digital Twins more than others? I mean, can you talk a bit about use cases?
0: Sure. The aerospace has been a very widely adopted. Boeing uh, CEO even claimed this was the digital twin era of aerospace. So, And this was several years ago. So they took a very aggressive program to digitally twin all their parts and to help with rapid prototyping. And automotive has followed that and and other folks that are very heavy manufacturing focused with lots of components. I think aerospace really took the lead on it, but it's getting wider adoption now.
1: And I I would just add, you know, I think the elephant in the room, right, is what we've been going through for the last two and a half years, right? So no one could go out there and predict, right, a global pandemic by any stretch. But I think now that's, you know, that's probably put more focus on being able to do scenario planning without having to physically make changes. So if you think about supply chain, for example, you know, now you can look at changing ports or changing modes of transport in a digital world. Right. Without actually creating the disruption to your supply chain that you would in your sort of everyday world. So I think that's what's driving a lot of sort of increased attention of late.
3: Yeah, definitely. And Joe, because I know this 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 whole um, digital twin concept is close to your heart. How do you see it impacting these industries that we've just, you know, talked about?
0: So it's it's been very helpful. It's had a big impact, first of all with with these very sort of straightforward use cases around predictive maintenance and uptime and trying to uh, predict disruption. and And Mark hit on it. You, you take that trying to predict disruption on a machine's runtime and you extend that to a, a supply chain or a, or a cargo ship headed to a port. All, all these use cases all fit the digital twin paradigm. So the adoption around it is pretty straightforward when you talk about risk, resilience, and what we're talking about really, if you roll it all up is predictive analytics, you're just trying to be a better predictor of some outcome that's in the future. And, and Digital Twin is driving a lot, a lot of that. And so you see it across basically every sector, life science, healthcare, manufacturing, um, chemical processing, oil and gas, it, it, it's, it's everywhere. It's just waiting for people to have the energy to adopt it and they can find a use case.
3: And when we look on the retail side, Mark, like what are you seeing and hearing in that space?
1: Well, I mean, I think right now, um, especially driven by the labor shortage that we're experiencing, there's a lot of work going on around automation, right? So I think, I think the really exciting thing about digital twins is that you can now start to do some what-if scenarios as you start to introduce automation into the process, right? So instead of going out sort of to the field and doing something that's going to cause a lot of disruption potentially, you can sort of, you know, simulate that disruption, right, in a very controlled environment and make sure that you have it absolutely right before you deploy it. So I think for retail, especially as everyone now is, you know, opened back up and they've sort of, you know, taken a deep breath, right, from all the change that's going on the last couple of years, Certainly automation is the way of the future, right? So they need to try to figure out, okay, how much automation is right, right? Where do I deploy it? And, and you know, how is that going to impact my staff and my customers? And if I can do that in a virtual environment without actually going out and, you know, annoying staff, annoying customers, whatever the case may be, that's a really exciting opportunity.
3: So, Joe, what's the investment in terms of both costs and resources?
0: That's an interesting question. Um, I'll just take how most people get started, at least in my exper- experience, and they start with a proof of concept or a minimal viable product and a rapid prototyping of what the twin will do for them, and that's typically pretty low investment because the consultants that are helping them and the, and the digital twin partner environment they're bringing forward is trying to prove to the customer that that there's a use case, that there's something tangible here. If you if you look at what NVIDIA did at BMW. That's a whole nother scale of a digital twin project because they completely twinned their manufacturing facility. So you can just kind of go by scope and and imagine that's multi-million dollars, a large scale, a large scale project to do what NVIDIA did with BMW. But of course it has large impact with lots of use cases and what they were trying to accomplish. So the range is, is pretty wide. But, but I'll say that uh, the getting starting point. Because of the providers out there that are trying to get in there and prove to you how to use it, is pretty low. And small teams of just three to five people, with a, getting some data on their hands and some modeling tools, and a couple people on the business side can can prove how the twin can work. And that's that's been very good for adoption.
3: That's very helpful. And if I were to ask the consultants in the room, you know, when and where should a distributor start this process? Um, you know, what would be your thoughts around
0: that? The education that comes with it. So with machine learning or any of these advanced technologies, you, you want you want the client or the customer to be there for the knowledge journey and these pilots with a pretty well understood problem set you're trying to resolve for, and just take your time introducing the technology and the capability so there's a lot of comprehension. So that you can, uh, once you learn the lessons from that POC, go forward and do, you know, many more use cases.
1: And I think probably just to add on to that a little bit. Um, don't go into it with sort of pre built conclusions, right? Try to go into it. And it's hard, right? You know, we're all human, right? But try to go into it with as open a mind as possible because you never know what is going to come out of it. And you have to be willing to sort of take those results and run with them. Don't necessarily just use it as a, um, you know, hey, this is just going to sort of confirm what I think I already know, right? It really should be viewed as an exercise in almost academia, you know, and you have to be willing to, you know, live with the results that come out of it or take action based upon the results
3: that come out of it. Yeah. So tell, tell me what I don't know is more the approach. So, I mean, we've got all of you experts in the room. So tell us, you know, how should distributors assess their ROI after digital twinning? Is there a formula? Um, You know, how should they go about doing that?
0: For for me, what I've I've seen as a first step for digital twinning for a distributor, and, and Mark can give a lot of good advice on the network optimization. I'll just stick, I'll start with inside the four walls, which is labor optimization. And knowing how my operation runs, my process flows, my equipment run times and my my labor rates, you can simulate what it's going to be like tomorrow and know what your labor demands are. And that's very helpful. And not just that, if you run your simulation in parallel with reality, which is what makes Digital Twin a wonderful tool, you can push it forward a couple hours and say, what is it going to be like at the end of the shift? And if it says you're going to be 15% behind in some picking area, you can adjust your labor proactively. That's what we've been looking for in distribution forever, doing it on spreadsheets, you know, and knocking our heads against the wall. So now we can simulate and say those 100,000 web orders are going to come down at 4 o'clock because, you know, people love to drop those at the end of the shift. Can we actually get them out? Yeah, let's simulate that and see if that means an hour of overtime and let's optimize that to save labor. So that that for me is one of the first use cases that is already getting some uh, success.
1: Yeah, I think the, yeah, I would say the labor savings is certainly big. Um, I would say just, it all sort of backs up to retail at some point because you're talking about customer satisfaction and things like that. So if you think about a supply chain on the surface, it seems very simple, right? But we all know very well that it's not that simple at all. But what you're really trying to do and this is where i think the digital twin concept will you know will really start to take off is you want to avoid what happens these days which is if you're a home improvement retailer you have to put you know snowblowers into the stores in august because of the way your supply chain works well that's that's not you know that's not a good use of working capital it's not a good use for the stores it's not a you know so if you can simulate that supply chain from the point of manufacture all the way to it gets to the store and do that what if scenario planning and now you can get this sort of orchestration going on, which is sort of the holy grail of supply chain, that you have goods and services arriving to retail at exactly the time the customers want to buy them. Now, we're certainly not there yet, and we're not going to get there anytime soon, but but that's where digital twins could play a huge role, in my opinion.
3: And I think that's the interesting part. I remember, Joe, when we were talking, you, you had mentioned that it's a continuous process, and it's constant tweaking, and and I think that's that's one of the coolest things about, about this, this technology.
0: Yeah, if you start inside of a building, uh, that's great. But then you go to another building. Well, now both those are twinned. Now those twins can talk to each other. Now you start getting to Mark's territory of network optimization. Now you have all these buildings that you can simulate, the network, the supply, the demand. It gets very exciting as you connect all this together. You just keep going from a, a core and building outwards and uh, really get to know your supply chain a lot better. That, that's really what it does for you, get to know yourself better because it's that mirror of reality.
3: Um, based on your experience, what do you see as the biggest barrier for distributors in this area and how can they overcome it?
0: With a tool like Digital Twin, you, you really become a data-enabled driven organization. There's no looking back and you've got to have the, the structure of a data platform, a way to move data in and out. You need an AI ML workbench. You need these components to drive the twin tools to visualize what the twin put, you know, the output of the twin. Um, the real timeness across how you think about things. If you're going to run simulations and they give you an answer in 30 seconds, do you, do you have the ability to respond to an answer in 30 seconds and do something tangible with it? That, you know, that's a whole, that's a new paradigm. So you've got to build yourself into that kind of data enabled, innovative pushing forward. You shut some doors behind you, right? And you, and you say, we're going to go here, we're going to use this twin, twinning capability to really um, make ourselves uh, a sort of a new organization from an efficiency and all, all kinds of aspects.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can get the data right, then I think one of the things you want to make sure is that you don't do this kind of work in a bubble, right? Don't make it just part you know, of you know one department somewhere down the hall is doing this, I'm not really sure what those people do, but they come up with some really cool stuff, right? You have to make sure that, you know, to Joe's point, close those doors behind you and say, okay, we're making a commitment going forward. We're going to do this, right? We're going to live with the results that come out of it. And then we're going to spread it across the organization. And once the entire organization is on board, then you get the usage and adoption that you've been looking for.
3: So what's next for digital twin technology? I mean, Joe, how do you see it evolving?
0: Well, I think some big customers, some folks that are using digital twin at scale are helping spawn ideas. So Tesla digitally twins all their cars and they do it for customer service because all these cars have a lot of software in them. And so they want to know your driving habits, how your car is running and how often they should update your software. So don't just push to everybody the same update, make it specific. That gets people thinking, okay, I can now get down to the individual, because if I can twin them, um, Amazon has twinned their customer base. So they 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 can look at their customers as a as an ecosystem out there and they can do things against it and see how they respond. So that that kind of leadership helps bring helps other retailers and automobile companies get get ideas and be fast followers. So I think there'll be a lot of fast followers about the use cases that are already working. And then others will push into the, uh, a little bit more into the unknown. Uh, There's some exciting stuff, trying to get traction in retail about watching people move through stores, personalize the store experience. That's a hot area. I I haven't seen, maybe one of these gentlemen have. I've not seen anything come out of that that's really said, hey, here's what you need to do. But they're, they're pushing in that retail, that metaverse world of bringing digital things to life thinking in a 3d kind of a thinking about 3d digital that's exciting but the uh the practical stuff like on factory floor and all that there'll be fast followers to that so there's there's sort of really two things going on at the same time
1: yeah i love that you brought up the store optimization piece right because this is exactly the time going into nrf or coming out of nrf but uh you know, retailers are talking about store of the future, right? What does that store look like? Because there's no doubt that we've changed permanently as shoppers, right? We're not going to go back to what we were doing three years ago. That's just, you know, that ship has sailed. But there is a lot of scenario planning going on right now to, does the store look like a distribution center? Does the store look more experiential? So there are some retailers already starting to look at that, and digital twins are certainly part of that, to be able to say, hey, you know, if I were to sort of reskin my stores, and they were going to look like this, and they were going to have this percentage to, uh, actually dedicated to, to, you know, selling space versus more sort of, you know, pack and pick in the back of the store, right? Then you can do that what-if scenario planning in a safer environment before you go out there and disrupt the stores and disrupt the staff and customers. So I think I think that's an outstanding example.
3: Okay. So the last question for the day for every one of you. Um, what is the one piece of advice that you can give a mid-market to large distributor who wants to improve their supply chain operations leveraging digital twins?
1: I think you have to set realistic milestones, right? That's number one, right? You can't rush something like this, but yet you still have to have some boundaries around it. And then I would just say over-communicate, right? Don't make it a science project, don't make it something that one part of the organization works on, sort of you know in secret right make sure that you're communicating to the entire organization while you're going down this path right the tesla example is great i never even thought of that but that makes perfect sense right because it's a very complicated automobile right there's a lot of software involved so you know digital twin of a car makes sense digital twin of a store makes sense and then certainly in my world digital twin of your supply chain makes a lot of sense because you can make changes to that supply chain on the fly without you know without creating breakages and the linkages and things like that so so a lot of great examples, but I do think over-communicating is the key to make sure the entire organization is on board.
3: And Joe,
0: Playing on top of those is uh, really get started. Start educating yourself and start experimenting. You know, make your experiments cost-contained. Um, it'll be very exciting at first. You might want to rush in a little heavily. Um, lessons learned from big data and other things, you know. Start small with something you can grasp as your your organization and your team can grasp and just start educating and, and experimenting. Uh, because this is one of those technologies that is, is, we think is gonna be foundational. It has that feel. Um, you know, AI has been called the new electricity. I don't know what I'd call digital twin, but it, it's got that foundational feel to it. So getting in there and getting started is my best advice.
3: That's great. So I got the three nuggets for our audience today, which is data integrity. Uh, you know, setting realistic milestones and over communicating and experimenting and educating.
2: And that brings us to the end of another episode of The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I want to take a moment to thank our guest host, Maria Merchant, and our guests for sharing their expertise and experiences on the topic of digital twins. I would also like to extend my thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you found this episode insightful, and we invite you to join us again next time for more discussions on the latest trends and innovations in the supply chain industry. Until then, this has been The Great Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. I hope our guests sparked some new ideas and inspired you to push the boundaries of supply chain. New podcasts will be published on the first of every month. In the meantime, please reach out with your thoughts or questions or even an idea for a future episode. You can email us at texaspodcast at texas.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as a new episode goes live. And please share it with a colleague and leave a review. Until then, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and thank you for tuning in.